Story nine, sickness. Balancing was easy. Making sure to not look down, not so much. Pana and Lyke had waited on top of the structure's curved center while Wave Skimmer went back to the plateau to pick up Bob, Tally, and MC. With the footwork of someone who had run around a ship all her life, Lyke easily strolled around the structure, even walking out over the spokes that spread out from the center and grabbed onto the wall of the sinkhole, seemingly at ease on the tilted surface. Pana, meanwhile, sat down on the cold metal, pressing down with their feet to keep them from moving. It was easy to be unafraid of heights when one was strapped to a flying, kind-hearted lizard. Perched on a building that may house a weapon capable of destroying a good chunk of the earth, and that happened to be suspended over a giant, bottomless hole, Pana found it slightly more difficult than usual to remain entirely calm. It was with delight that Pana heard their friend roar as he returned to them. Wave Skimmer landed with a thunk, and then scabbled to keep from sliding off the metal. He managed to plop down onto his belly, his scales providing the necessary friction to keep him in place. Pana slid over and grabbed onto him. Now, if they both fell, Wave Skimmer could fly them back to safety. How do we miss this? asked Tally, gazing out over the structure. Most of its surface was smooth, but panels were haphazardly strewn about it, as well as a few short poles. MC threw up her hands and everyone looked at her. What? The plateau was a sensible location. But I suppose whoever went through the trouble of building a death machine can't be relied on to choose a sensible location. It's fine, MC, Pana said. They smiled at her. We made it here in the end. And without your maps and your knowledge, we probably wouldn't have been able to even estimate where the weapon was. MCU lowered her arms. And though she didn't exactly smile back at them, she no longer looked annoyed. Off to the side, Bob was tapping on one of the panels with a hammer. He leaned forward, pointing his ear at it as he continued to tap. When he looked up, he called out to the rest of the group. Yep, there's a room on the other side. If we were able to heat the metal here of this panel, it should be thin enough to break through. Wave Skimmer squirmed over to the panel without standing up. He breathed a few times, preparing himself. Then, with a slight and slow exhale, a hot blue fire was directed from his mouth towards the edges of the panel. The metal glowed red. Bob struck out at the heated edges with his hammer. Already weakened from the fire, the panel began collapsing inward with each stroke of the hammer. With a final hit, Bob smashed the panel downwards, pushing it into the room below. There you are, our way in. The floor wasn't too far below them, but the group tied ropes to the roof and slid down into the hall anyway in an effort to avoid any minor injuries. With their left arm still bandaged, it was difficult for Pana to grab onto the rope, but they still managed to slow their descent. When Pana reached the floor, they looked back up at Wave Skimmer. He couldn't fit through the opening. Burning more of the roof would take all day, and that was assuming that Wave Skimmer could release that much fire. Pana looked around for any other way into the structure. Light peeked through the hole that they had entered from, revealing the dust-covered metal floor, but the rest of the room was dark. There was no telling what waited for them in the structure. Bug examined the hole, tapping up the edges now that they had cooled off. Shaking his head, he said, Nothing I can do to expand this that won't take hours. Though if that's what we need to do, then that's what we'll do. Not like we're in a rush, anyway. MC, help me see if there are any weak spots in the ceiling that we can focus on. Is there any way that we can help? Asked Tally, gesturing to herself, like Anpana. Bob shook his head, not with this job. None of you have as much experience working with metal or analyzing structures. But maybe you all can find out what's around us. Light some torches and figure out where we are. 
Hannah didn't want to leave Wade Skimmer again, but as long as Bob and MC were with him, things would probably be fine. You'll be okay if we just look around for a moment, Wave Skimmer? They asked. He nodded, purring. The scales on his cheeks briefly flashed a bright yellow. He wasn't thrilled being apart either, but was doing his absolute best to be optimistic. We won't go too far. You'll still be able to hear us. Leaving the others to work, Pana, along with Tally and Like, lit some torches and slowly walked into the darkness. Dust swirled upwards with every step. Every so often, Pana called back to Wave Skimmer, making sure that he could still hear them and that they could still hear him. If Tali and Lyke thought anything of Pana being unwilling to stray too far from their friend, they didn't say anything. Pana glanced at Lyke's hand, wondering if maybe holding it would ease some of their anxiety. But just like every time after that first morning on the boat, they didn't reach out. Besides, it wouldn't be the same as being their wave skimmer. The further they walked away from him, the more Pana felt their stomach begin to tighten. They almost walked into the wall, unable to distinguish it from the floor due to its heavy coating of dust. Holding a torch with their good hand, Pana waited for Tally to wipe some of the dust off of what appeared to be some sort of slanted surface jutting out from the wall. Beneath the dust lay a myriad of varying protrusions, some with tinges of colors. Ideas? asked Like, gesturing at the protrusions. Tally leaned forward, looking at them. There appears to be some form of writing all over this... panel. I have no idea what any of it says, though. She raised her hand towards a small red circle resting on a spring. Bright white lines curved along the top of it. Does this look like it might move if I push down on it? Wait! Pana exclaimed. The other two looked at them. I don't think that we should mess around with anything until we know more about this place. Tali looked like she wanted to respond, but like interjected. I agree with Pana, she said. Rule number one of sailing, don't sail blindly into waters that you don't know well. Or is that rule 18? Regardless, what if that thing turns the weapon on? Oh no, that won't activate the weapon. A static-filled voice answered. Two white lights beamed at them from the darkness. This is just the main administrative room. For a moment, Pana thought that it was a fellow person, albeit a very old and worn-out human. It was dressed in a jacket covered with dust and had a strange piece of red cloth dangling from its neck. Strands of hair still clung to its scalp in irregular places. But no human had unblinking eyes that literally shone with light, or a mouth that flashed yellow lights when it spoke. Even the way it moved seemed too viscous, yet too consistent to be a truly living thing. The clothes seemed real, but the startling white hands and smooth face that remained uncovered seemed to be... Metal! You're made out of metal! Like said. The metal entity nodded. Obviously. And you're made out of meat. It was an odd response, but upon a reason that it made sense, given Like's metal comment. At least, they didn't sense any imminent danger from the newcomer. Allow me to introduce myself, it said, mouth flashing with each syllable. I am DO-45, steward of the Hudson Bay Infectious Disease Discovery Facility. It has been a few hundred years since we have had visitors. Tell me, are you here to finally unleash the weapon? Fortunately for Pana, who didn't know what to say, Tali spoke up. Of course, that's why we're here. You just need to point us in the right direction and tell us how it works. DO45 clapped its hands together. Oh goody, I have waited for this day for hundreds of years. It has been hundreds of years.
Its eyes temporarily flickered. DO-45 slumped forwards and then lurched backwards again. It looked around at the small group. My apologies. We were just about to... Can you remind me what we were just about to do? Tally pointed to Bob and MC. See those two over there? They're trying to help a friend enter the building, but we couldn't find a door big enough to for him. Is there any larger entranceway that we could use? Why, of course, said DO45. We can use the helipad entrance. Just one moment, please. It walked towards the panel and began pressing the small bumps along it. A screech pierced Pana's ears as metal began sliding on metal. Off to the right of Bob and MC, the wall began to fall into the floor, allowing sunlight to pour into the building, revealing doors lining the walls and more panels. When the wall had disappeared completely beneath the floor, Pana could see a roofless room in the shape of a hexagon adjacent to the room they were in. Wave skimmers slid from the top of the building into the open space and entered the building. He ran up to Pana, licking their face. They laughed and hugged his snout with their good arm. Bob and MC walked over to them. Wouldn't have bothered trying to break in if we were just going to open a door. MC said, Break-ins are strictly prohibited. DO45 responded. It focused on Bob, MC, and Wave Skimmer and began to raise its arms. Tally jumped in front of it and held out their own hands, palms open, to show it that there was no threat. Not breaking in, no. We're just here to inspect the weapon, remember? TO45 stopped. Pana held their breath, waiting to see if it decided to attack them all. After a moment, it lowered its arms. Of course, it said. Let me take you to the weapons control room. Pana breathed out in relief. What is that? asked Bob, when DO45 began walking them to the center of the spacious room. It looks like it was meant to be a person, but didn't quite know exactly what a person was. Should we be concerned? I don't know, some sort of overseer, replied Tally. I don't trust it. It seems broken. Like I knows that this place is abandoned, but never noticed that the rest of the world changed. What do you think, MC? The older woman considered the question, rubbing her chin. We don't know what we're walking into, she said. We can't read the language on those panels. We don't know what any of those pushy things that DO45 used to let Wave Skimmer in actually do, and we don't know where we are going. But that thing does know. The only thing I think we can do is follow it. It seems to want to activate the weapon, whatever that may be. If we can get it to bring us to the weapon and tell us how to work it, I'm sure we can disable it. DO45, who had walked on ahead of them, turned back to see where they all had gone. Are you coming? It asked. Yeah, yes, on our way. No need to worry about us, said Tally. I am not worried. People who are not breaking in, said DO45. It continued walking to the center of the room. There were no doors in the middle of the room, nor were there any tables or signs of anything at all lying beneath the dust. However, DO45 stopped and looked at the floor, saying, Yes, this is the spot. It appears the janitorial team didn't clean up last night. I'll have to bring that up with management later. We can't have a dirty base if the president decides to visit us. When was the last time the president showed up? Asked Tally. It is hard to recall, but I believe a few hundred years ago. He was supposed to tour the facility when it was completed, but he never came. Of course, there are many demands on his time. It is hard work stirring up fear and hate in such a large community. 
It paused and pulled back on the sleeve of its left arm. Green and red lights shone on its white metal. It tapped a few of them, and the floor beneath the group began to shake. Pana managed to keep their balance by grabbing onto Wave Skimmer, who, with four legs, had an easier time staying up. Bob and MC were on the floor, and Tommy was stumbling and waving her arms, trying to stay standing. Only Like appeared to be unaffected by the sudden motion, her years of sailing allowing her to keep her composure. What's happening? Pana asked. There was no way that DO45 could smile, yet Pana couldn't help but imagine the contraption doing so. We are going down to the weapon, of course. And with that, the floor beneath them all began to fall. They were in a cylindrical tube made entirely of glass. Above them, Pana could see the building they were in silhouetted against the sky. The walls of the sinkhole surrounded them. As they traveled downwards, Pana noticed that the colors of the earth changed. There appeared to be layers in the rocks. Among a number of colors, there were red, black, and brown rocks that formed straight lines. Most of them ran horizontally, as if they had been placed one atop of another, but a few seemed to be tilted and cut through the other rock layers at varying angles. Suddenly, the floor shot beneath the earth. Once again, the group was plunged into darkness. This was short-lived, however, as crystals on the wall began to emit a sharp green light. DO-45 led the group through multiple hallways that seemed to zigzag lower and lower into the earth. A few times, it had to turn back, evidently taking a wrong turn. I believe this is it, it said when a red door with yellow and black stripes appeared. It placed a hand on the wall next to the door and tapped a few blinking lights. The door hissed open, and DO-45 led them all inside. It was cold. For the first time, bon Pana wished they had brought their fur coat with them. Unlike the rest of the rooms that they had traveled through, this one was only partially enclosed by metal walls. On the far side, there was only ice. The green crystals illuminated a wall of ice filled with different layers. Some were dark blue and others a simple white that fell hundreds of feet. A series of ladders and stairs ran along it, allowing access to lower levels. Presumably, there were floors below them, similar to the one that they stood on now. All throughout the room, away from the ice wall, were tables littered with all sorts of contraptions. Though also covered in dust, Pana imagined that they must have been tools of some kind. Is this the weapon? Ice? asked Pana. Why, of course not. This is merely where our scientists found and extracted the weapon, answered D-045. You see, many Earth scientists warned that as the climate warmed and ice around the globe melted, viruses and other diseases trapped in small air pockets inside of the ice would be released. These viruses haven't been seen in millennia and so the average human immune system would be unprepared to defend itself against them. Now, the administration's official position is that climate change doesn't exist. It is so much easier to deny something than to admit that one simply does not care enough about the lives of others. However, leading members of the government realized that these viruses and their destructive potential could be harnessed. They could be used to defeat the enemies of the state. And best of all, who would ever suspect that these ancient viruses had actually been found and released on purpose? Occasional plagues did sweep through Pana's old village from time to time. They remembered when they were young that there were a few weeks when everyone seemed to be sick, both the old and the young. Pana's father had been confined to his bed for days, and while Pana was taking care of him, they too fell ill. Being such a small village, they were lucky that only five people died. 
Whatever the viruses were that the people in this facility had found, Pana was sure that if they were released, the destruction would be far worse than anything Pana had ever seen. So that's it? Pana asked. Though that wall was the weapon? How do the viruses actually get released? The viruses need hosts to spread around. If we were to melt this ice, the viruses would only infect the people in this room. Now that would not be a particularly effective weapon. Please come with me. DO-45 walked towards a new door, beckoning the others to follow it. The group continued walking through the facility, following the strange metallic being, going deeper than even the ice room had been. The walk seemed to take forever. Not for the first time, Pana wished that they could move as fast as Dolphus could swim, or leap about like a Nectorian. If the passage were wider, Waveskimmer could fly them through it. Alas, he wasn't able to completely stretch his wings in here. You okay? Pana asked their friend as they walked. Wave Skimmer changed his scales to a hesitant green and wobbled his head back and forth. Pana placed a hand on his side. I know. This place creeps me out too. But we're almost there. Once we find this weapon and figure out how to destroy it, we can leave. I promise we'll go flying together as soon as we're out of here, okay? A happy warble was all the response they needed. The Wave Skimmer also licked their face. Pana giggled and hugged him. Love you too. DO-45 stopped outside of another red door. This one took a few minutes to open and actually needed Pob and Tally pulling on it to open it fully. The weapon is in here, DO-45 said, gesturing them all in. It followed behind them, keeping the door open. This room was wider than the previous one, though it did not expand hundreds of feet vertically. A long countertop ran around the room. A few tools and blinking lights lay atop it. But the main features of the room that Pana noticed were the three dragons, one orange, one yellow, and one gray, frozen on ice in the center of the room. The entire group stopped, collectively holding its breath. Bob even reached out his arms for a moment as if to protect everyone else before realizing that the dragons were frozen. Like simply stared and said the word, Well. The dragons couldn't move, but Pana still felt hesitant approaching them. Unlike Waveskimmer's eyes with their green irises, these dragons' eyes seemed to be made of a green vapor that had been leaking out of them in the moment in which they were frozen. Welcome to the weapon room. I'm sure you recognize these creatures, seeing as you have a dragon of your own. DO-45 held its hands together just beneath its chin, its head bent slightly forward. The light of its eyes seemed to dim a little. No, not dim, but change. The color itself seemed darker. But these aren't viruses, said Like. These are dragons. MC mumbled. Their eyes are a bit odd, though. Have Wave Skimmer's eyes ever looked like that? These are diseased dragons, explained DO45. Infected with a variant of one of the viruses recovered from the ice. It was a challenge for the scientists to find a creature strong enough to survive the virus and pass it along to humans. Fortunately, we discovered these dragons here while we were building the facility. After extensive research, we were able to learn how to infect and freeze these vessels. Now, finally, I can release them and destroy the rest of the human population. But first, they will enjoy killing you now. I am sure that they are restless after having been frozen alive for all these years. Pana's heart dropped. They felt like they were going to be sick. You're going to release them now? DO-45 nodded. Why, of course. I had no idea that any humans had survived the purge until you walked in here. 
It had seemed a shame to release the dragons if the entire human race had been destroyed. But now, I can finally complete my mission. How silly of you to think you could trick me into believing you were here to release the weapon. People like you with real long hair on one side of your head and short hair on the other side would never have been allowed in this facility in its heyday. We used to have standards. But once this ice freezes, you will all be dead. And my purpose will finally be complete. For a moment it stood, arms outstretched as if it were basking in the sun. Then it sprang forward, springs literally pushing out from its feet and launching it into the air. It landed next to a panel. Time to die, humans. It raised a white hand and began to press buttons on the panel. Red lights blinked into existence, and a siren began to scream all around them. From out of nowhere, a hammer struck DO-45 in the head, showering the wall with blue sparks. Bob had quickly pulled the hammer from his bag and thrown it. Aside from the sparks, it seemed to have little effect on the machine. DO-45 continued pressing buttons. Kapana could even swear that they heard it humming to itself. Tally leaped forward and grabbed one of its arms, while Like grabbed the other. They pulled and pulled, but DO-45 seemed to not notice. MC joined in, whacking DO-45 about the head with one of her maps. Its torso suddenly spun around, and it flung Tally and Like into MC. The three of them all fell to the ground in a heap. The room grew hotter, and the ice encasing the dragons glistened as the outermost layer melted. Pana could no longer see the dragons within as easily. DO-45 now turned and faced them all, leaving the control panel behind it. So impatient. Now I can wrestle if you would still like to. Though if I were you, I think I would prefer to be killed by the diseased dragons. That green one has some nice-looking fangs. We'll stop you, yelled Tally. No need to tell the abomination. Let's kill it, not shut it up, suggested MC. Meanwhile, Bob and Lyke began to circle around to either side. Wave Skimmer stepped forward and roared. He glared at Dio-45, fire flaring out from his nostrils, the scales around his face a deep, angry red. His claws reflected the light from the wall, crystals, and emergency systems. Ouch, that hurt my feelings, Dio-45 told Wave Skimmer. But I can survive having my feelings hurt. Wave Skimmer whipped his tail around and smashed Dio-45 into the wall, where it proceeded to crumble into a myriad of parts. Sparks crackled out from its burning body. The suit it wore caught fire, and then white metal quickly turned gray. Its eyes flickered a few more times before going out completely. No one was hurt too badly. MC had been winded after Lyke and Tali had landed on her, but she was able to stand with Bob's help. Lyke had a small cut under her eye that looked worse than it was, and Tali had a few bruises, but there were no life-threatening injuries among the group. Pana rushed to the control panel and looked at all the various blinking lights. They had seen DO-45 press the big blinking red light before. Without knowing if it was the correct move, they reached out with their right arm and pressed the button. Immediately, the siren ceased, and the blinking red emergency lights turned off. The room grew colder again. If the dragons within the ice had noticed anything, there was no way to tell. They continued to stare outwards with their hazy green eyes. Pana wondered if they could see anything at all. Were they even still alive? Wave Skimmer sat down in front of the dragons. He placed a paw on the ice and bowed his head. Pana didn't know if they should follow suit, so they stood next to him and kept their good arm at their side. They lowered their head a little, staring at the floor rather than at the ice block. It was Bob who eventually broke the silence and asked a question that had been hanging in the air, waiting to be put forth. 
Still supporting MC, he said. So, anyone have any ideas on how to destroy the weapon? Preferably without killing the dragons. I think it's safe to say they probably didn't choose to become plague spreaders of their own accord. Unfortunately, no one knew how to shut the machine down or how to save the dragons. Panaka turned the machine on and off after watching DO-45 do it, but they didn't know how to do anything more than that. And even if DO-45 could be forced into telling them, its destruction meant it could no longer speak at all. Given enough time, I could possibly try to decipher the written codes that these weapon makers used, suggested MC. It looks similar to some of the writing I've found in other ruins. Pano nodded. Waveskimmer and I found similar writing in an old city up north as well. They hadn't written any of the strange runes down, an error which Pana now regretted. It would have been easier to decipher them with multiple references. This is going to take a while, and we need to get back to the ship, reminded Tally. We didn't bring snacks. Off to the side, like quickly bit into a small fruit. Okay, most of us didn't bring snacks. Everyone's stomach rumbled at that comment. It had been a long day of hiking and wandering through old ruins. What if we just smash the panel? asked Bob. Everyone looked at him. If we break it, maybe it won't be able to work properly. If anyone else finds their way here, they won't be able to turn it on. It was a good point, Pana thought, but also, it could also disrupt the cooling system and melt the dragons anyway. We can't risk thawing them out until we know what to do with them, they said. I don't know. Sounds good to me. It was Vare. She stood next to the control panel, her white fur coat shockingly bright in the dim room her pale face and violet eyes outlined by her jet black hair. Kai stood beside her, her own pale hair sticking up a little longer than it had been the last time they met. Neither held any weapons, though Panda knew they could both draw them quicker than anyone they had ever met. Hi, Vare, nice to see you. Didn't realize you followed us all the way here, said Bob. Panda's jaw dropped. You know her? they asked. We actually met her and Kai just after we met you. She's not too talkative, much like yourself, really. Helped take on the Vlackies and prepare for that storm back in the port. She even helped us defeat that red dragon that came after us and rescued you. Why? Do you know her? Pana was too nervous to speak. They clung on to Wave Skimmer, but even touching him did little to ease Pana's worry. It had been a while since they had last seen Vare, and they had honestly forgotten about her in the excitement of battling that red dragon and searching for the weapons. Now she was here, and... Pana didn't know what to do. They couldn't speak, but Vare could. Yes, Bob. Pana, Kai, and I are all from the same village. This, she gestured to Pana, is the person who woke up the dragons that killed Kai's father, among a dozen other members of our village. This is the person who didn't tell anyone about it for a year and was allowed to stay in the village until they were finally discovered with a dragon. And now they're running from their sins. Bob, MC, Tally, and like turned to Pana. Pana could see the confusion in all of their eyes and turned away. You never told us why you left your home, said like her voice quiet. Of course they didn't, Vare said. Why would they? A mysterious person shows up in the middle of the forest running away with a dragon. That wasn't suspicious to any of you? Pana fell to the floor, all of their energy gone. Tears began to flow over their cheeks. It was an accident, they said. I didn't know there were dragons in that cave. I didn't mean for anyone to die. They were my neighbors. My friends. Fare, Kai, I'm sorry. Somewhere ahead of them, Kai snorted. Fare was quiet. 
She took a few steps forwards and then crouched down in front of Pana. Then Vare touched Pana. Her hand was soft and didn't press too forcefully into Pana's cheek. It lingered there like a snowflake, resting lightly on top of a pile of ice. Pana forced themselves to look up into Vare's eyes. They could see their reflection in those familiar violet irises. Pana turned their focus back to Vare. Try as they might, they weren't sure what she was thinking. Was their old friend sad? Tired? I know that it was an accident, Vare said, her voice scratchy and strained. Her whole body shivered. The whole time her eyes remained on her old friend. Pana gasped. Their body trembled. You do? I do. Vare nodded, and she rubbed her thumb across Pana's cheek. Pana raised their own hand and placed it on Vare's. Pana smiled, and so did Vare. But I don't care. Huh? With a bang, Kai brought one of Bob's hammers down on the control panel. Glass flew outwards. She brought it down again and again, laughing as she did so. Tally ran to stop Kai, but the hammer fell once more, causing sparks to fly out and burn Tally. Electricity crackled around her, and her left side caught on fire. Wave Skimmer ran over, and with one big breath, he took all of the fire off of Tally and swallowed it. No longer ablaze, Tali leaned over and fell unconscious on the floor, her dark skin now covered with burns. Vare had slowly stepped backwards from Pana during the melee. Pana watched her look back at them one more time, the hint of tears still in her eyes. You tore our world apart, said Vare. You killed our fellow villagers, whether you wanted to or not. Nothing will ever go back to the way it was. And regardless of what I want, I have a duty to my village to ensure that justice is served. I can't care about you. No matter how much I want to. And with that, Vare turned and ran through the door with Kai. More sparks flew through the smoky air. A hand grabbed Panas and pulled them to their feet. Up you get! Yelled Like. Behind her, the ice around the dragons continued to melt. Horns were now exposed to the air. We need to get out of here! Wave Skimmer, help me with Tally! Wave Skimmer lowered himself to the floor. Like climbed onto him, hauling Tally up with her. Pana ran forward and opened the door for them, allowing Wave Skimmer and his passengers to escape, quickly followed by Bob and MC. They hadn't even gone 50 feet when a roar tore through the hallway, followed by the tearing of metal. Behind them stood the three thawed-out dragons. One gray, one yellow, and one orange. Flecks of green flew from their eyes and burned the floor beneath them. The dragons were all sniffing the air around them. Pana wasn't sure they could see. When they did move, they slid on the metal and bumped into each other and the walls. The yellow dragon accidentally walked into the gray one, who slashed at its side with razor-sharp claws. Red lines blossomed on the yellow dragon, and blood slowly dripped onto the floor alongside the green flecks. Let's go to the chute with the moving floor, whispered Like. She motioned them all forward. With any luck, we'll escape and trap the dragons in here. Tali let out a small scream, and the three dragons all looked in their direction. They began to stalk towards them. We need to move faster, said Like, pushing a little urgency into her voice. She reached down and pulled MC onto Wave Skimmer behind her. MC grabbed onto Like's waist, keeping herself upright. Bob and Pana trotted next to Wave Skimmer, doing their best not to get squished between him and the wall, yet not wanting to fall behind him. The dragons were becoming more sure-footed the longer they remained outside of the ice. They no longer slipped all over the metal. Now, they gently padded forward, gaining speed with every passing moment, claws scraping against the floor. 
At this rate, Pana feared, the dragons would catch up to them before they made it back to the chute. Even if they managed to escape, couldn't the dragons just break through the glass and leave the facility that way? Hey, you all, Pana said. I don't think this is going to work. Those dragons are going to find a way out of here unless we do something. They looked around. The chute they had traveled down was directly ahead. It wasn't too far now. The doors to the chute closed. Through the glass, Pana watched as it took Vare and Kai back up to the top of the facility. They were stuck down here, trapped between a dead end and three diseased and ancient dragons. Pana turned back. Whether the dragons had set their sights on them, they couldn't tell. There were no pupils to watch, or different colored irises. The dragons' eyes were like green fire swirling within their skulls, leaping out whenever their heads leaned too far to one side. They were running now, coming closer and closer with each second. Pana had no idea what to do. Waveskimmer had become friends with them, but that was more due to his natural curiosity and lack of a killer instinct than anything Pana had done. If only there were a proven way to befriend a dragon, like giving it a certain treat, or reaching out your hand and petting it on the snout. Pana tried that now, holding out an open hand, showing the dragons that they meant no harm, that they were a friend. A burst of flame shot over Pana's head and knocked into the lead dragon, the gray one. Waveskimmer had turned back, smoke pouring out from between his fangs. Like yelled something at the dragons, but Pana couldn't hear what. The other two continued, seemingly unaware or unconcerned that one of their number had been taken out. And then Pana realized that the gray dragon was indeed still alive and well. It had simply staggered and lost some of its momentum, but had easily regained it after a moment. Everybody duck! Bob yelled as the dragons leaped towards them. Pana hit the ground and felt wind roar past them. Green flakes fell all around them, but as far as they could tell, none actually landed on them. They glanced at Bob and saw that he was also unscathed. Glass crashed all around them as the dragons leapt through the windows of the chute and escaped the facility, flying out into the sinkhole. They had failed. But at least everyone here was all right. They could recover, regroup, and then go and find the dragons. They could still make this right. Pana gingerly got to their feet, feeling gravity pushing down on them. They turned to Wave Skimmer and immediately knew something was wrong. Green sparks leaped across Wave Skimmer's scales. While they had missed Pana and Bob, their reptilian friend was simply too big to avoid the shed virus. Pana rushed over. Wave Skimmer! Are you all right? The dragon groaned, his eyes blinking rapidly. His eyes were naturally green, but now they had neon veins reaching across them, stretching further and further as Pana watched. Wave Skimmer fell to the ground, rolling over and tossing the riders from his back. Bob managed to catch Tali while Like and MC slid to the ground. What happened? asked Like wrapping MC's arm around her to help the older woman stand. Wave skimmer, they said, their face betraying none of the fear and anger that they were battling. Those dragons are literally shedding virus around as they walk, and enough of it came into contact with him. Indeed, Wave skimmer's eyes were quickly resembling those of the other dragons. The same green fire in the other dragon's eyes, the virus, began to froth in his own eyes. Like tugged on Pana's arm. Pana... I, I think we need to go. No. If, if we don't go soon, we'll also become infected. We need to get those other dragons. I can't leave him. If you don't, we're going to die too. Bob and Like moved away with Tally and MC. Pana stayed with Wave Skimmer, kneeling down and putting their head on his, touching his cheek with their one good hand. Green sparks flew around their face. They could still see Wave Skimmer's pupils. They stared at them, refusing to look away. It's okay, friend. I'm here. I'm here. Wave Skimmer warbled in response, 
His scales were blinking, going back and forth between blue and green. He shivered, rocking back and forth. A bag fell from his saddle. Pana looked away from their friend's eyes and stared at the bag. They had forgotten all about it. They darted to Wave Skimmer's side and grabbed the bag, plunged their hands inside of it, and pulled out the sickly green stone. Without knowing exactly what to do, they felt themselves move back to Wave Skimmer's face. Their arm rose and placed the stone on the dragon's snout. For a moment, nothing happened. Pana waited, hoping. And then, the green sparks from his scales began to bounce towards and eventually into the stone. The green fire from his eyes moved outward like a cloud of vapor and followed the sparks into the stone, which glowed brighter and brighter as it absorbed more of the virus. A voice in Pana's head told them to hold it a bit longer, to be patient, and then it was over. Wave Skimmer slouched forward, breathing heavily. He was safe, but tired. Pana hugged him as best as they could with one arm. It's okay, they whispered, tears falling onto his scales. Eyes still closed, he licked their face. Pana couldn't help but giggle. Wow, that stone can really do everything, said Like, staring at the scene in front of her. Bob nodded. I know I've already seen it save us all from that wave, but it's still remarkable seeing it save Wave Skimmer. It's a good thing you found it. Yeah, said Pana, listening to Wave Skimmer breathe. I'm glad he's okay. They turned to the other two. We need to stop those other dragons before they get too far. If I can get close to, if I can get close to them with the stone, then I can cure them as well. Maybe we can all survive this. But how are you going to get close to them? They can fly. Like waved her arms, mimicking the flapping of wings. You, Pana, cannot. And even if you could, I don't think you alone can solve this. A shadow zoomed by the window. Pana saw a flash of red. No, they agreed. I cannot. Not without help. With a roar, the shadow Pana had seen flew through the broken glass and landed in the hallway. The sun had begun setting and no longer reached into the sinkhole, but the crystals along the wall still glowed. In their light, the red scales of the dragon appeared almost purple. That's the fellow who attacked us out on the water, said Bob. That it is, agreed Pana. They faced the dragon. Its eyes were also green, but healthy. The dragon lowered its head without taking their eyes off of Pana. It nodded towards the side of the hallway. What do you think it wants? asked Lake. Pana didn't answer immediately. They walked towards the red dragon. They certainly didn't feel the same sense of comfort that they got from Wave Skimmer. They looked at their friend. He was still resting on the floor, too tired to move. The red dragon moved forward and rubbed its nose on Wave Skimmer's. It breathed a thin film of fire onto Wave Skimmer, who opened his eyes and looked at Pana. Pana touched him one more time. You okay? Wave Skimmer blinked. With a tremendous out of effort, he nodded. He looked up at the red dragon and purred softly. It nodded and continued to pour fire over Wave Skimmer. The air felt heavy. Pana let out a breath. What do you think the other dragon is doing? Like asked. I've never seen a dragon do that. Until you met Wave Skimmer and I, you never met a dragon. Pana reminded her. They watched the scene with just as much curiosity. Waveskimmer's scales glowed as the fire seeped into them. They were no longer green, but back to their original blue, a bait a little brighter. Suddenly, his left front leg twitched. Then his back leg twitched. In only a few moments, he was back on his feet, licking Pana all over and wagging his tail. He looked at the red dragon and nodded, and the red dragon nodded back. From Bob's side, MC wheezed, That fire must have strengthened him. Fire is energy, after all. That dragon recharged him. She appeared to be correct. 
It was like Wave Skimmer had never been infected in the first place. His eyes still had traces of the neon green veins, but he could move just as well as he normally could after a long nap. So now what? asked Like, glancing between the dragons. We still need to stop those other dragons. And I don't think that Baba and I should leave the others. Tali isn't looking good. Like was right. Tali's breathing had become so shallow and soft that it was impossible to tell that she was breathing at all without close inspection. I'll go with Wave Skimmer and do what we can. With any luck, we can get close enough to use the stone and cure them. How are you going to get close enough? There are three of them and one of you. You can't exactly corner them. No, Pana agreed. They turned to the red dragon. But they don't know about you, do they? Would you be willing to help us? You don't have to if you don't want to. It, it is going to be dangerous. The red dragon snorted and swiped a claw at the ground. It roared, causing the very walls to shake. Pana smiled. Good. We also need a name for you. I was thinking Reddy. Reddy cocked its head to one side and made a slight hmm sound. Bobbin like grimaced. That's certainly an applicable name, said Bob, while Like shook her head for what may have been the first time since Pana met her. I'm not very good at giving names to people. Do you have any other ideas? Just go and save the world already! Like said, exacerbated. Those dragons are probably getting further away. Pana nodded, and after a slight hesitation, hugged Bob and Like. They gave MC a light hug, scared of injuring her more. She awkwardly patted their back. Make sure you all stay safe, they said. Don't worry about us, Like said. Just come back. We'll still be here. They turned to Wave Skimmer. Are you ready? Wave Skimmer growled with more force than Panda thought he was able to muster. His tail slapped the floor. Thanks. I wouldn't want to go without you either. I know that together we can do this. They climbed onto Wave Skimmer's back and grabbed a hold of the saddle. Like tied their legs to it so that they wouldn't fall off. Holding on with only one arm wasn't particularly easy, especially for someone who had never been athletic to begin with. They couldn't wait for their other arm to heal. Reddy was waiting for them by the shattered glass. It leaped out ahead of them and spread its wings, twirling into the air above it. Ready? Pana asked again. Wave skimmer roared. They breathed in. By the time they breathed out, they were already in the air. Almost immediately after the chute doors closed, the floor began to shoot back up to the top level of the facility. If one tried, it was easy to forget that they were rising and imagine that the rock layers around them were falling the world itself sinking into one final abyss. Barre shuddered. She had done what she had left her village to do. So many others had started the journey with her, but only she and Kai had been brave enough to see it through. They all preferred to go back home and sit by their fires rather than risk their lives to bring Pana to justice. But she had risked everything for her village. She had left everything she had ever known and followed Pana out into mystery, into a land that no one had ever returned from. She had faced dragons, knowing full well what they were capable of after seeing the carnage they left behind on that fateful hunting trip. She had helped protect others and topple a tyrant. She had left Pana trapped with three dragons dripping with a highly contagious and unbelievably old virus. At the very least, she could take comfort in the knowledge that the dragons would never escape the facility. They would kill Pana and the others and then remain in the metal hallways until their own demise. After all this time, their best friend would die, and the rest of the world would finally be safe from them. They're not my friend, she whispered to herself. Not after everything they did to our people. What? asked Kai. Nothing. I just... We did it, I think. You bet we did! 
Kai pumped her fist in the air. That was for everyone back home! If only my dad were here to see this. He was always such a fair person. He never took more than he needed from the hunts and made sure to give everything else to those who had less than him. That was most people in the village. But still, seeing Pana held responsible for killing so many of our neighbors would have made him glad. And we trapped those other dragons down in the bowels of this giant building. Now the world will never have to face Pana or the virus. You did great, Fare. Yeah, killing Pana was fair. Just even. The other villagers would feel at peace now. Vare shuddered again. It wasn't cold, and she still wore her fur coat. It was no longer entirely white. Some of the sparks from the machine that Kai had destroyed had singed the coat. Perhaps it was something in the coat itself, or some property of the sparks, but the coat now had streaks of red splashed onto it. She could smell burning furs, and waved her hand in front of her nose, trying to push the smell away. Years ago, Vare's coat had caught fire while she and Pana had been sitting in the village center, listening to the elders telling stories. She had been so enraptured by one particular tale about how Helen, the founder of the village, who had brought the original settlers up north after saving them from the cataclysm, had tracked down an old foe. The enemy had stolen from the village, unable to find food for himself in the ice. When Helen caught up with him, she invited him to come back to the village and live there with the people he had robbed. Vare had been sitting too close to the fire and hadn't realized that the end of her coat, which was much too long for her, had started to burn. Luckily, Pana had noticed, grabbed a container of liquid ice, and poured it over the fire. Without saying a word, they had sat down again, waiting to hear the rest of the elder's story. Vare may have been the one to teach, or at least try to teach, Pana how to use an icicle and how to hunt. But Pana had always been able to notice when Vare needed help. If only Vare had been able to notice that whatever had happened to cause Pana to team up with dragons and go against their own village, maybe this never would have happened. If she had noticed the warning signs, they both could have continued to live in the village as they always had, as friends, as best friends. She looked through the glass and out at the rocks, trying to count all the layers that passed by. Kai was saying something, but Vare didn't really listen. She felt tired. A dark mass outside of the chute moved upward past her. Whatever it was, it trailed green sparks. Then a second, and then a third followed behind it. Vare pressed her face against the glass, watching them move up towards the top of the sinkhole. What was that? asked Kai, looking over Vare's shoulder. Were those the dragons that we thought we had trapped deep in the metal building that happened to be carrying a disease that could infect and kill the entire human population remaining on this planet? Vare closed her eyes and forced herself to breathe. An image of Pana trying to keep that mechanical being from thawing out the dragons floated through her mind. Yes, they were. And we were the ones who let them go. Wave Skimmer and Reddy raced upwards. Pana had never seen Wave Skimmer fly so fast before. They squinted, trying their best to keep their eyes open as they shot through the air. There was no time to lose. Above them, the three dragons circled the facility, spraying it with green flecks. The gray dragon opened its mouth and released a burst of green fire that flew out in all directions. The other two dragons imitated the action, spreading the virus throughout the air. The green explosions were so dense that they blocked out the sun behind the dragons. Watch out! roared Pana, trying to be heard over the wind. As Wave Skimmer weaved around the green fire, Pana couldn't help but hold their breath, scared that they might accidentally inhale the virus. The two of them made their way above the clouds and to the top of the facility, flying just above its ceiling. Now, the sun was in Pana's eyes. Once one obstacle was overcome, another one always seemed ready to take its place. Freddy angled outward, 
flying low over the metal surface. Wave skimmer followed. Panda wasn't sure what they were doing at first, and then noticed their shadows begin to rotate around to face their front. The sun was now between them and the other dragons. Clever, whispered Panna, and they patted Wave Skimmer. The group remained quiet as they climbed higher into the air. The sun helped keep them hidden from the dragons, but if they were too loud, they would be found. The sun didn't block out noise. They would have to be quick, as the sun was continuing to fall. In a few moments, it would be dark, and the dragons would escape. Why they hadn't already dispersed, Panna didn't know. They supposed it was probably a lot for them to suddenly wake up, sick as they were, and be thrust into a world that probably wasn't exactly like the one they had left. They were above the dragons now. The sun reflected off the surface of the facility, but it did so at an angle that didn't reflect it back into Panna's eyes. They could clearly see the dragons below, as well as the two figures climbing out of the hole the group had carved out earlier. It was Vare and Kai. They dodged a green fire as it flared out at them. Pana watched them careen towards one of the supports, doing their best to move fast and stay on top of the structure without falling. Even if they made it to the edge of the sinkhole, they would need to climb over the rock wall. It would take too long, and they would be exposed to the virus the entire time. Pana nudged Wave Skimmer and pointed to the figures. Wave Skimmer nodded and roared to ready. The two dragons flapped one last time, rising slightly, and then plunged forward, tucking their wings close to their bodies. Pana leaned forward, lying flat against Wave Skimmer. They held onto the stone with their right hand. Briefly, they imagined it falling down into the sinkhole, but they banished the thought. This would have to work. If it didn't... well... The stone kept them safe. Green flecks flew all around them, but none actually touched them. They all flew directly into the stone. Pana didn't know how it could hold so much devastation within it without falling apart, but it did. They got closer and closer to Vare and Kai. This was probably their only chance to convince them to leave together. Delaying too long would surely attract the attention of the diseased dragons. With a clank, Wave Skimmer and Reddy landed in front of the two villagers. Vare hadn't noticed their approach, as she was too focused on escaping, but now that they were in her path, she stopped and stared at them. Pana waved at her and Kai. Get on! Quickly! They had never been good at yelling, but they hoped that their voice was loud enough to be heard. Seconds passed. Kai looked between Vare and Pana. Pana couldn't tell what their old friend was thinking, but Kai's usually pale face was red, and her breathing was rushed. First, she took a hesitant step forward. When Vare didn't say anything, Kai ran to Reddy and leaped onto its back. Vare took a step forward. There was a screech above them, and Vare slipped on the metal. She screamed and fell off of the support just before the orange dragon crashed into it, bending the metal beneath its claws. Vare! Wave Skimmer leaped off of the support, closely followed by Reddy. Together, they dove into the sinkhole, following behind the falling human. The yellow and gray dragons chased closely behind them. This was their moment. Panda reached to their legs and untied them from the saddle. They weren't sure if Wave Skimmer could hear exactly what they were saying, but they knew he got the general meaning. This is our best chance to cure one of those dragons. Once we have one of them on our side, we'll have the advantage. You keep going. Say Vare. Their friend may have nodded, but he too was focused on the task ahead of him. Pana let go, allowing themselves to trail behind Wave Skimmer. He grabbed Vare and pulled out of his dive along with Reddy, circling back behind the infected dragons. The yellow and gray dragons were too focused on Pana falling closer and closer to notice the others escape. The gray dragon opened its maw and shot fire at Pana, only to see it absorbed into the stone they held. It tried to swerve to avoid Pana, but it was too late. Pana gently grabbed around its neck with their legs. Placing the stone in their mouth, they used their hand to pull themselves up to the dragon's head. When they felt secure, they grabbed the stone and touched it to the gray dragon's snout. 
Just as it had cured Wade Skimmer, the stone drew the virus out of the gray dragon and absorbed it. The dragon's eyes cleared, and Pana could see its deep golden eyes. A few green sparks crackled along its scales and then fizzled out. The dragon went limp and began to fall. Wave Skimmer and Reddy flew in from behind and grabbed the dragon. They beat at the air ferociously, doing their best to reverse their descent. Vare and Kai gripped their mount's necks as if their lives depended on it, which, of course, they did. Luckily, the sinkhole was so large that they didn't come anywhere close to hitting the bottom. Together, Wave Skimmer and Reddy lifted the gray dragon back to the top and laid it on the metal. Vare and Kai jumped off of the dragons and onto the structure. Pana couldn't help but be grateful that Vare didn't stay on Wave Skimmer for very long. Though glad she was alive, they didn't entirely trust that she wouldn't turn on their friend at any moment. Helping people could be so complicated. The orange and yellow dragons circled above, preparing to dive. Reddy breathed fire over the gray dragon while Pana jumped onto Wave Skimmer. Together, they would delay the remaining dragons until Reddy and the gray could join them. With the three of them, Pana knew the other dragons would soon be saved, as would the rest of the world. Once more, they held onto Wave Skimmer as their friend launched himself into the air. The sun had set hours ago, and the stars swayed overhead. Or was that just the movement of the boat? Either way, Pana watched as they waved through the sky. Occasionally, a star did move, appearing suddenly and drawing a line over what must have been miles and miles of space, only to disappear a second later. Where did those stars go? Where had they even come from? Too bad the stars were too far away to fly to. Everyone was safe. Tali had been stabilized and given the best first aid that light could provide. One of the sailors on board had trained as a healer, and he had immediately started to care for Tali the moment she was taken off of Wave Skimmer's back. According to him, she would wake up in a few days. When she did, it would take a while for her to recover, but she would get better. MC was given her own room where she could rest. She didn't need much assistance. She was just exhausted. By the second day back on the boat, she was walking around like normal, reading her maps and colliding with the railings. Bob cycled between visiting the two of them. When MC was tired, he stayed with Tally. Wherever he went, so too went his tools. With plenty of time to himself, he designed and made a proper saddle for Wave Skimmer. It was tougher than the cloths that Pana had originally cut, but was just as comfortable. The shape fit nicely onto Wave Skimmer's back, and it had enough gift to it that it could move around as he did without breaking. It also had handholds and a pouch sewn into it that the stone could be carried in. This way, there was no need for Pana to hold it in their hand and risk it falling and becoming lost. Most importantly, Wave Skimmer seemed to find it comfortable as well. Familiar footsteps approached Pana as they lay at the bow watching the stars. Is it okay if I join you? Asked Lake. She sat down when Pana said yes. Not too close, but closer than Pana was comfortable with. Aside from that first day on the boat, nothing had ever happened between them. Pana wasn't sure if that was a good thing or not, or how Like felt about it. People were complicated. That was something they had always known, and recent events had done nothing but confirm it. I'm sorry about your friend, said Like. Pana grunted. It's fine. I'm sure she's happy she's away from me. That doesn't... I mean... I'm sure she'd rather be here. With you. On this boat. Here. Rather than somewhere far away. You're a nice person to be around. Like hesitated, taking her time to find the correct words. Why did you save her? Look, 
Panda rolled onto their side, looking at Lake. Anger rolled through them, as well as the urge to kiss her. Everything would be fine if they could just drop the topic, but they couldn't do that. She was in danger, and I saved her. I know that she had just tried to kill us all and released a deadly virus out into the world. I also know that there's something noble and heroic about forgiving others and doing the right thing, but that's not what happened. I don't forgive her. I can't. She almost killed us all. All because of a mistake I made. A horrible mistake, sure, but a mistake. For all her intelligence, all her compassion, all her integrity, she can't seem to get that. She, she is a horrible person. But she was in danger, and I saved her, and that's that. Nothing more. I don't want to forgive her or be her friend ever again. The person she was back in our village is dead. She's just gone, and I don't know why. Maybe she truly believes I made those dragons back near the village attack my neighbors. Maybe she just has some twisted sense of loyalty to the village. It isn't on me to analyze her. I don't know her any better than you do. Maybe I missed her, but I don't anymore. I don't want her to be a part of my life, and I don't want to be part of hers. Like stopped asking questions, and Pana returned to lying on their back. They didn't want to admit that they wondered where Vare had disappeared to when they couldn't find her or Kai after the last dragon had been cured. The scene of Vare releasing those dragons, of holding Pana and telling them explicitly that she didn't care, played through their head over and over again. At night, that was all they could dream about. Without Waveskimmer, Pana wasn't sure how they would have gotten any sleep the last couple of nights. Whenever they woke up screaming, he was right there. For something so scaly, he was so soft and warm. They could tell that Like still wanted to talk. And despite their anger at her questions concerning Vare, Pana did want to talk to her. So, they asked, trying to find adequate conversational words. It seems like Tally is doing better. Are we heading out soon? Soon, yes. We'll be setting sail for a nearby trading post. There isn't much there, but you should be able to continue exploring from there. Or maybe spend some time trading. Her words took a moment to see again. Pana turned to their friend and asked, Sorry, can you repeat that? Oh, of course. You can trade there. You know, give something to someone in exchange for something else. Or you can barter if you prefer. Is bartering the same thing as trading? No, no, sorry. I I, I meant the part about me exploring. Are you not coming with me? Like breathed deeply. <sighs> Bob, MC, and I have been talking. We still need to wait for Tally to fully recover. But also, those weapons are bad and need to be destroyed. There's so many out there. Like, more than I can wrap my head around. Who knew there were so many different ways to destroy the world? You and Waveskimmer should keep searching for them, and we'll catch up when we can. It made sense, even if Pana didn't like it. And why didn't they like it? Hadn't interacting with people been difficult all their life? The last time they had left a group of humans was back in their village, when said humans were chasing them with sharpened icicles. Those humans hadn't wanted Pana around. Pana only put them in danger. And didn't they put these new humans, their new friends, in danger too? It would be safer for everyone if Pana left. Tali had almost died. Any of the others could have died as well. They all had walked blindly towards a super weapon and only survived because Pana had the good fortune to have a magic stone that they didn't know how to use. Pana may have wanted Like, Bob, MC, and Tali to join them as they hunted the remaining weapons, but it was becoming clearer that it was too dangerous to allow anyone else to help with this mission. Are you okay? Asked Like. Pana gripped the side of the ship, knuckles tight. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just miss you, that's all. You're right, though. Tali needs you. 
I'll continue on my own. Like reached out and put her hand over one of Pana's. Don't worry, we'll catch up with you soon enough. It can't be that hard to find a dragon. Let's look at the map with Bob and MC in the morning and plan on a meeting point so that we can meet up. Yeah, that sounds good, Pana said. They tried smiling. Like went back inside. Reddy had left the day before, heading back up north with the gray, orange, and yellow dragons, taking them to their new home. Bob, Tally, and MC had the port to head back to once they were done adventuring. Likes could settle down anywhere as long as she had her boat. Vare could travel back to the village whenever she wanted to. Everyone had their place to return to. Pana and Wave Skimmer did not. They would have to keep moving. Maybe, one day, they would find a place to call home again. But that day was far away, if it even existed at all. As Pana continued on, everyone else had a place where they could remain. They wouldn't hurt anyone else by leaving. If they stayed, well, that was a different matter. And so, less than an hour later, Pana left on the back of Wave Skimmer, flying off towards the trading post that Lyke had mentioned. They said bye to no one and left no note. They simply left. There were still more weapons out there to disable. Pana wouldn't make the mistake of endangering anyone else ever again. If Pana couldn't outrun the past, the least they could do was destroy it and make sure it couldn't hurt them or their friends. They felt wave skimmer as he flew high above the water, his breath keeping them both warm in the cold night air. Pana closed their eyes. Epilogue Pana slept for the first time in what seemed like days. Everyone was well or recovering back in the safety of the boat. They had successfully destroyed the first weapon, and they were on their way to discovering the locations of more. They still didn't know exactly how the stone worked, but they were beginning to trust it. It had saved them and Wave Skimmer and the entirety of the port before, and now it had saved the world. They would continue to work on figuring out its secrets as they tracked down the next weapon. Their sleep was interrupted by a dream. A mountain stood before them, its rocky surface glistening in the sun. Except those weren't rocks. Pana squinted. They could just make out the shapes of buildings and walkways covering the mountain. An entire city rose from its surface. There were houses and stores and stables and all sorts of other buildings that Pana didn't know the purposes of. A spiraling staircase wound around the mountain, and people walked along it, moving from the base up to the summit. It was familiar. Pana could have sworn they saw it before. Though they hadn't moved their legs, they found themselves standing on the mountain peak, looking at a building made almost entirely of gold. The front two doors opened, and Pana's body glided inside. They moved through a front hall adorned with paintings, most of which depicted wars or warriors. Fire seemed to be a common theme throughout the paintings. Another set of doors opened, and Pana moved into an even bigger room that contained even fewer items. A semicircle of chairs had been arranged at the far end of the hall. A figure sat on the center chair. Pana wasn't quite sure if it was a person at first. They couldn't make out any distinguishing features beyond the long dark hair that fell to its waist and its brown eyes. But the figure moved, tilting its head as Pana approached. Pana knew its, her, name. They didn't know how they knew it, just that they did. Helen? The figure smiled. At least, Pana thought she smiled. Helen still was little more than a silhouette with hair and eyes. You're doing great, she said. Her voice sounded like it was coming out of a seashell. It didn't quite exist yet, but Pana could still hear it. I'm proud of you. I haven't done much, Pana responded, but Helen shook her head. No, she said. I am proud of you. Helen's body? Shadow? Faded. 
Panda woke up on a small rock protruding just above the tide line, away from any golden buildings or mountain cities. Wave skimmer snored beside them. Panda smiled, wrapped their arms around their friend once more, and went back to sleep.